Welcome to Chill Howie Chat, the Maryville College podcast. Our guests today are Tom Taylor, along with Chris and Jennifer Hackler. Welcome, you guys. Thanks. Thank Thanks for having to be here. They are representing the College Hill Neighborhood Association. And Tom, I'm going to start with you, who is also the mayor of the city of Maryville. Let's talk about the College Hill neighborhood and how Maryville College has always been a huge part of the city of Maryville. I think it's important to even go back further than that and to start the statement with saying that what makes Maryville unique is that Maryville is truly a college town and not just any college but a progressive liberal arts college and that has really shaped the attitudes and the culture of the city of Maryville since the very beginning of the city. The city was established in 1795 but by 1819 the college came along and it started out in what is now Preservation Plaza uptown. Uh, Near the farmer's market area. Where the farmer's market is now held, that's correct. And there were three buildings uh, at, at the at the point that it was the largest in downtown. And Isaac Anderson lived across the street. His uh, house was located in what's now a parking lot for CBBC Bank. But uh, until the Civil War, that's where the college was. And then it moved uh, to the current location and started over again. And this was really the outskirts of town. It was well outside the city limits at the time. And the only road coming up near it was Crooked Creek Road, now Court Street, which was a dirt road at the time. It was. Um, it was it was really almost a wilderness area and uh, undeveloped, but the the community of the College Hill district built up around it. It's it's hard to remember that at one time college professors were probably the most highly paid and highly educated people in the community. They they were the drivers of the community, and so the houses built in this area were quite grand and. Uh, they were, they were large because people had large families, and we've managed to protect and, and in many cases restore these houses to their beauty that we now enjoy. And, and I think as the, the um, community developed around the college, you gotta remember this was, this was before automobiles, so this was so people could walk. Uh, many of the streets, such as Boardman, Wilson, Lamar, are named after folks associated with the college. Faculty members lived up and down the streets. Uh, Goddard had, you know, uh, Ms. Patterson in the art department. Um, Miller had Dr. Blair. Uh, Stanley had Dr. Harry Harder and Ms. Gamble and the Prophets. Indiana had Ma Cummings, who had taught Bible here for years, and uh, Marvin Lindley, who was chair of the music department, uh, Dr. Hunter, and so it was, it was just a, uh, a conglomeration of the highly educated and very well-off people. Was there any planning as far as the neighborhood itself, or did it sort of happen you know, organically well, as the well, need grew? It, 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 was, it was planned in that the streets were laid out, and uh, it was listed on the city maps as one of the early subdivisions. It was called the Clark and Cunningham subdivision, and those are, those are what the early deeds show. Uh, so the streets were laid out, and the alleys were laid out. Uh, so it was uh, uh, the the historic district is one of the places, a few places in Maryland that still has functioning alleys that go between the major streets. I use my alley all the time, 
But uh, part of the history of the College Hill District uh, is really important. An important part is, is what happened during the Depression. The College's endowment was, uh, was pretty much moneyed by first mortgages on property. Uh, there weren't CDs, there were, there were not a lot of banking instruments back then, and the treasurer at the time, Fred Prophet, uh, understood that that a mortgage would bring in a very consistent six to six and a half percent interest, and that was more than most banks were paying. And since people wanted to keep their houses, it was a very solid investment, and that was true until the depression hit, and that was about the time um, Dr. Lloyd was was uh, president. And even though they tried to be as kind as they could to people in the in the area, the college foreclosed on a lot of property and a lot of homes in the College Hill area, and ended up owning the property. Uh, the 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 property of the college increased almost fifty percent during this time because of foreclosures. And uh, the house I lived in on Court Street. At 603 Court had originally been owned by uh, Sam H. Franklin, a real estate developer, and it was foreclosed on and rented by college uh, faculty members until, um, I guess, Claude Stewart bought it when he was a faculty member. Dr. Bloy lived there and several other people. And and uh, when I bought it, it, it had a history of, of college faculty living there but um, it owned, been owned by the college. And there are two different versions of, of how significant this was. Uh, Dr. Lloyd, who was president during most of these foreclosures, said that, that people understood that they had given them a lot of leeway in, in paying off their mortgages and uh, that there, was no, there were no hard feelings. Um, when Carolyn Blair and Arthur Walker wrote uh, By Faith and Dowd, their take on it was a little bit different. And quoting from the book, um, they say, with the foreclosures affected the community attitude toward the college, which began to be perceived as a wealthy, impersonal institution that was taking advantage of property owners. It would be many years before the college regained the confidence it once enjoyed in the community. And that's true, and in 1965, the board made the decision they were going to no longer be doing mortgages on private homes. So even, even 35 years later, there were hard feelings left and, and reflected by the, the uh, uh, board's action that uh, they would no longer be doing this. So the, the College Hill is, is deeply rooted in Maryville College traditions. That was where, that was where most Maryville College faculty lived because they could walk to work, and a lot of administrators too. And I've heard stories of alumni who share when they would go to dinners oh, yes. or um, holiday celebrations over at faculty and staff houses there in the neighborhood. Even even when Claude Stewart had the house in the early seventies, he was in the uh, philosophy religion department back then before he went to get his doctorate, and. Anytime you walked in the house, there would be his junior and senior kids hanging around in the house. And, uh, and the college uh, dining hall didn't serve Sunday lunch. So that's when kids were always looking for a place to have lunch. And they either went to church and, and uh, followed some families home or they went to their faculty members' homes, which were usually large and, and close. So. 
Kristen Jennifer, I'm going to turn to you for a few minutes. How long have you lived in the College Hill neighborhood? Oh, we've lived there 15 years. Did you know the rich history? I mean, is that what drew you to this area, or have you found out more since you've been here? I I grew up in the county, and driving down Court Street to go to where I grew up, always passed the neighborhood, always loved the the older homes and the the look of it and stuff like that. So it was a draw uh, to me way back in the beginning when, when I was shopping around for a home. Plus the craftsmanship and to see all the different architecture and and stuff like that. And just to be associated with Merrill College and the convenience of being close to downtown. I mean, it's hard to be. What What is your favorite part about being in the neighborhood? I know that um, as a group, you guys do a lot of activities together. Mm-hmm. Yes, we really do. And I think that would be the favorite part is you know, I've watched the neighborhood um, go from our elders to a lot more kids on the streets and playing and, you know, allowing our girls to grow up in such, a, you know, a rich environment of um, heritage. You know, I mean, there, there's several families that uh, Miss Mary has been on our street for... I think 54 years. 54 wow. years. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, I mean... Mary Jones. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's, that's something that you don't get everywhere. Yeah. And I'm, I'm blessed that our girls were able to yeah. experience that. Well, as a part of the college's bicentennial year, we're going to celebrate this connection between the neighborhood and the college. And on June 8th, there's going to be a homes tour. So tell us about some of the homes that are going to be open for folks to go inside and check out. We've, we, you know, we picked, originally picked seven homes and then we kind of watered it down to six homes that have a lot of history related to Maribel College, you know, either college professors, raised families in those homes and stuff like that. So we, we picked out um, five homes and actually one of the home tour is going to be the Chilhowee Club. So, and it's been a big part of the neighborhood going way back to close to the beginning. And so, you know, we're going to, we're going to be touring those homes. We're going to have some uh, postcards with uh, uh, information on each individual home that we can hand out during the home tours. Because each house has a really unique story to tell. Yes. 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 They're fantastic. There are a lot of them are, you know, some of them are craftsman style, some of them are Victorian, some of them are uh, modern minimalist style. So you get a mix of uh, different homes, you know, depending on which decade it was built, whether it was the uh, early 1900s or 20s or 30s or so it's going to be great. Why is it important that we preserve houses and neighborhoods like this? I think it's important to preserve your history. I mean, it gives you a sense of pride, you know, um, um, you know, and, and the craftsmanship that I see that went into a lot of these homes is hard to find unless you, you know, have a custom built home, you know, these days that's 4,000 square foot. I mean, you can see the fingerprints when you go up into the attics, you can see the fingerprints on the boards where they were holding it and nailing it in and stuff like that. And there was a lot of craftsmanship that went in to these older homes. So, What do you hope people who visit these houses, what do you hope they walk away with on that day? Um, pride would be one thing, you know, pride in their neighborhood and their community and, and uh, um, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, um, just the joy of seeing the preservation of a piece of history is what what I'm looking forward to. And I always say that um, I love when I walk into my home that it gives me a hug. 
Yeah. Um, and you don't find that with the cookie cutter houses mm. anymore. That you feel we're the fourth. Third, fourth. We're the third family to live in our home. So there have been many Christmas dinners, you know, mm. Thanksgiving, and and I truly believe my house gives me a hug. And everybody that walks in, yeah. it's that immediate home mm-hmm. feeling. Yeah. Um, it's the first place that has felt like home for me. So yeah, yeah. it's great. And, and, you know, even if they don't go in the homes, just driving the neighborhood is, mm-hmm. you, you get a sense of the architecture. Uh, the home I lived in on Court Street, uh, McTire's house and Emily Anderson's house were both built from the same kit. It was a, it was a mail order kit and the, and the train track came right by the house. So it was pretty easy for them to upload it. And they had local craftsmen build it. But I believe both of ours are Montgomery Ward kits. And Sears had house kids too. And then uh, uh, Gray Tower uh, was a barber house oh, yeah. by the renowned architect out of Knoxville, Barber, who built many of the homes and, and designed homes for all of the United States. So, so I think I think there is there is a historical background that you just can't walk away from in these homes. Yeah. What is the oldest house in the neighborhood? Gosh, I guess uh, Casablanca. The, all profit lives in maybe. I think so. I think it's the early 1900s, isn't it? Uh, or is it late 1800s? Late 1800s. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking about 1859. I, I, is it? Quote me on that. But it's, it, it uh, was evidently a Civil War era at least. And uh, yeah, and uh, I think the one that, um, oh, there's one on, another one on Indiana that was a farmhouse originally. So yeah. They're, they're older, but the bulk of them were built at the turn of the century when yeah. when the uh, the college had established itself and and it was obvious it was going to stay and so that's when faculty and because that was a time of growth for the and, college oh, and and the city and the city uh, you know the city uh, suffered a lot during Reconstruction but uh, we suddenly had newspapers we were we were getting uh, sewers and. Um, and a water system, and I don't know about your house, my house still has its sister. Uh, Does it? Yeah. Yeah. We're not sure. We've had some people that were doing some um, either building carriage house, rebuilding oh, yeah. a carriage house or something, and they've come across cisterns as they're digging out footers and stuff like that, and they're yeah. finding a lot of a lot of stuff like that. I've even found little artifacts, little porcelain doll heads, oh, yes. and little pieces of, of tile and pottery and stuff like that. So it's uh, it's it's fun to about, poke around. About 15 years ago, we had a fellow come through that was doing, uh, he had a, a, I think it was a ground imaging radar, looking for old privies in the backyards. And he was a collector of whiskey bottles and he said, men weren't allowed to drink much, their wives wouldn't let them, so they'd go out in the privy and drink and throw the bottles down. And, and, he, found, <laughs> and, he, found, and he had a huge collection of bottles he had found by excavating old privies. And uh, you know they moved them around as as the as the holes <laughs> filled up, and uh, and so he and he lived in a little house at five thirteen court, and wow. uh, and had a huge collection. I mean he had boxes of these things. 
I may have a new uh, to-do list out yeah, there. You can <laughs> dig around out in your backyard and come, because that was before we had a sewer system. Right. Yeah. Because of it, the college's relationship with the neighborhood, there are a lot of really good records about yes. who has lived in these homes over the years. Yes. And we have, we have several sources of records. Uh, once we started getting city directories, of course, they published those, and they, were, and they were not done on a regular basis every three to five years. And we have really good insurance maps because it was important for insurance companies to know exactly who lived in the house and who owned it and the history of the house. And those are all down at the library, so Blunt County Public Library. And, and so we, if, you're, if you're interested enough, you can track this kind of thing. You can track your own house, and then uh, many of the houses uh, back in 1989 were added to the uh, National Register of Historic Places. Mm -hmm. And if you live in one of those houses, you can pay money and get a little plaque. Mm -hmm. The house I live in now was the Caldwell House, which was not associated with uh, Maryville College per se, but it's the house my dad's best friend grew up in. And by the time I purchased it, my dad had been deceased for several years, but he and Luke Cowell, who grew up in the house, were best friends from the fifth grade up until the day Luke died. They both went to Maryville High together and played basketball. They went to Maryville College and played basketball. They, uh, Luke had a hardware store. My dad had an auto parts store. They both taught Sunday school. And I know my dad spent the night in that house right. multiple times growing up. So, that, so that's, that's one of the things that drew me to that house. But Chris, you know, yeah. if you'll tell us about the website where folks can get not only more information about the homes tour but also about the individual houses y'all have a great listing of photographs and history of, of the, each of the houses that you you guys know if you'll share that with us yeah collegehillmaryville.com is our neighborhood website of course we have a facebook page and we kind of work those in conjunction with each other but the uh, collegehillmaryville.com is the best place to go to get information about the home tour we have individual home home history it's incomplete you know we're it's a work in progress we're still working on filling in some of the homes that we don't have any information on but that's that's the best place to go to get information uh, especially regarding tickets and where to purchase tickets for the home tour and stuff like that so great and it's again it's saturday june 8th from one to five can you start at any house is there a particular order you need to go in i don't i you don't can know start at any house um, yeah. we'll, we'll be set up uh, in all locations that if you want to buy your ticket the day of, you can do that at the home that you choose to start at. Um, you know, we, we do know that some people may not be able to make it to all the houses, so whichever one is your favorite, I would definitely Maybe start, start there. there. <laughs> um, make sure that you are able to see um, the homes that you uh, really came for, and then um, fill in the blanks after that. Yeah. Well, great. Well, thank you all for being with us today. It sounds like a wonderful opportunity to really hear some of the history and the stories of our town. It should be a lot of fun. And don't, aren't you going to have docents at each house explaining the history and telling about the Yes. House? Yes, we're going to have a postcard at each home that, that will probably have a picture of the home on the front, and then it'll have a kind of a, a, a overall history of the home. And so people can pick up those cards. Take them with them. Collect them like baseball cards and mm -hmm. take them with them. So. All right. Well, great. Tom, Chris, Jennifer, thank you for thank being you. with us. Thank we you. appreciate it. Appreciate it. Chilhowee Chat is brought to you by the Maryville Fund. The Maryville Fund supports Maryville College's most pressing needs, including student scholarships, library resources, and faculty professional development. 
Gifts to the Maryville Fund are applied where they will benefit students and faculty in the most significant and immediate ways. That means you can make an immediate impact on the Maryville College experience today by making a safe, secure online donation to the Maryville Fund at maryvillecollege.edu slash give today.